I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. Well, you know what, folks? Today, it boils down to this. No vaccination, no guns. Now, you may think, what is getting a COVID vaccination have to do with my ability to have firearms and exercise my Second Amendment rights? Well, I'm going to explain to you exactly what it has to do with, and it's an incredible threat that you need to be aware of. Now, let me start by just talking about some things you may not know about the COVID vaccination. Now, uh, even talking about COVID vaccination, you know, the lamestream media and big tech overlords, they don't even want you talking about this, but... We're going to talk about it. And, and, and let me just make it clear. There is a database. There's a database of every individual who has received a COVID vaccination. Now, you may not be aware of that. You may not even know about it. They don't make a big deal about it. But that database is there because this is an experimental vaccine. And they need to track you and it for the medical and health purposes. So there is a, let's say, a legitimate reason to do it. But uh, regardless of that, this database exists. And even though you can go online and you can see, you know, articles, for example, from the Atlantic magazine that says, uh, here's one, uh, no one actually knows if you're vaccinated, is the title of this from May of 2021. And they claim that the only way for no, if you're vaccinated, is whether you have that, you know, card, the vaccination card, that just says written when you got your vaccination shot, etc. That's the only record, supposedly. But you know what? That's not true. It's not true at all. I even have a case of an individual a client who, uh, in order to attend school, submitted proof of vaccination and uh, apparently uh, it didn't jive with the database that's out there and this person was contacted by the Department of Health and it's now creating quite an issue yeah it's out there how do they do this verification without a database because there is one so if anyone's telling you there isn't one well they're wrong there is one I actually have case of that happening. Now that being said, how does this link occur? Where's the rub? Well, let me lay a little more groundwork for you. Just a couple months ago, and there's been a push, and it's an idea that's even been around longer than a couple months ago, but a couple months ago, Rahm Emanuel, who was, uh, of course, formerly with uh, Obama's administration and is a player here and he was a member of the Clinton administration and he was member Obama's chief of staff he went on ABC's uh, this week program in in at the end of March and he was promoting gun control and what he said was which is interesting is he said you know let's focus uh, surprisingly let's focus on the person instead of the firearm now that statement on its face, most of us would agree with, right? It's not 
the gun, it's the person. But you see, even when it comes to that idea, if the person is pro-gun control and wants to take away your rights as an anti-2A rights person, then focusing on the person is really about people control, not gun control. And that's what it all is about, right? It's all about people control. So of, of one of these proposals, of his three major proposals that he is pushing that is out there is called no fly, no buy. And what it means is that anybody who is on the no fly list is a, becomes a prohibited person for purposes of purchase and possession of a firearm. The idea is to make it a national disqualifier. So in the same way, when you fill out a 4473 and ask, have you ever been convicted of a crime? Have you ever been committed for a mental health issue, etc.? One of the questions will be, are you on the no-fly list? And, of course, they'll check it through the Nick's database to confirm your answer and if you're on the no-fly list then you get denied your second amendment rights and it becomes a disqualifier and a prohibitor so this is what they're looking to do now you need to know that new jersey already has such a law so this is not something that isn't being done in any of the experimental states which new jersey is one of them as you know from my other shows where i talk about these experimental states and new jersey prohibits already individuals that are on the what New Jersey calls the Consolidated Terrorist Watch List. Now, nobody really knows how you get on these lists, but the Consolidated Terrorist Watch List appears to actually already include the no-fly list and the selected persons list and whatever other stuff they want to throw into this category that makes you ineligible for flying on a plane and they have in new jersey made it a disqualifier if you're on such a list so it's not as if no government in new jersey hasn't already done this this was done and here's the kicker folks you know who signed that into law in new jersey governor christie that's right a republican signed into law the no terrorist watch list uh, guns prohibitor. So don't think that this can't cross the aisle to get this done when a Republican has already signed off on it as governor of a state. So here we have it where the proposal now <clears throat> is so here we have it now where the proposal is to put a no-fly, no-buy law on the federal books to stop individuals from being able to have guns that are on this list. And as far as support for this, well, here is Joe Biden, who is in support of it, and he was uh, asked if uh, about the no-fly list for no-buy, no-fly, etc., and uh and he said, uh, yes, uh, if the government considers you too dangerous to board a plane, you should not be able to buy a gun. 
So Biden, of course, supports this, and it's being pushed by those operatives there in the Clinton and Biden and Obama administration. And now we have the link, and here's where it all comes together. So keep in mind, there's a database existing of vaccinated persons. There's a push to have the no-fly, no-buy, the no-fly list bars you from guns. And then what do we have this week? Well, we have Juliet Kayyem, who was a former assistant secretary for Homeland Security under President Obama. Isn't that interesting, the link there to Obama as well as with Rahm Emanuel? And is a faculty chair of Homeland Security Program at Harvard, at the Kennedy School of Government. And she's the author of Security Mom, an unclassified guide for protecting our homeland and your home. And what does she propose? She proposes that the unvaccinated be put on the no-fly list. So think of that, folks. If you've chosen not to be vaccinated, then they want to put you on the no-fly list. Simultaneously, we get a gun ban that says anybody on the no-fly list can't buy or possess or own guns. And now being unvaccinated means you've lost your Second Amendment rights and no longer can possess, own, purchase firearms. All the pieces are there for this to happen. The database can be a purge and merge and done, and you can know who's been vaccinated and who hasn't been. It can easily be put onto the no-fly list, and all it takes is a law that says you're prohibited from guns if you're on the no-fly list. And this is a threat, and this is a genuine threat that's out there, and the timing of all these at the same time, the timing of proposing unvaccinated to be on the no-fly list, and the push by Rahm Emanuel and others to create the no-fly list gun ban, I've just put the pieces together for you so that you can see the threat. Think of who this impacts, by the way. Who are those that are not getting vaccinated? Well, they're, many are libertarian-minded. Many are conservative. Many uh, are taking this position over making their individual choice, right? And not only that, they've done studies showing that there's a significant number of minorities even outweighing, you know, by far, whites that are not getting vaccinated. And whatever the reasons for that may be, there's a larger percentage of blacks and other minorities that are not getting and have not gotten vaccinated. So if you put this together in this way, you will now disarm and stop from having guns uh, large majorities of minorities conservatives and libertarians that have chosen to decide what goes in their body and what doesn't. And uh, by not being vaccinated, they end up forfeiting their gun rights. 
So, folks, you got to be aware of this. You gotta, we got to fight this on all fronts. We got to fight the no-fly, no-buy concept. We got to fight putting unvaccinated on no-fly lists, right? This all has to be stopped, and people have to recognize the dire ramifications of these things being passed and implemented. And, you know, they can uh, do this, and who knows? They may even try to do it, or at least part of it, by executive order, because there's plenty of executive order abuse going on in the Biden administration as well. So be on guard and stay vigilant. And when I come back, I want to tell you about a great new case that uh, we filed with the United States Supreme Court. It's something, uh, maybe a glimmer of hope. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Okay, welcome back, and let me tell you about something I'm really excited about here. And one of the fun things that we get to do in the practice of gun law is we get to, at times, bring challenges uh, to the appellate courts and particularly to the U.S. Supreme Court. And you know that if the Supreme Court takes a case, we're going to really see change possible here. And that's very, very exciting, and it makes the practice of gun law uh, fun and knowing that we are chipping away at gaining our rights back, rights that have been deteriorated upon us by politicians that have passed these horrible and outrageous laws infringing on our rights. And with the rebirth of the Second Amendment, and in terms of rights, it really is a rebirth because it wasn't until uh, Heller and McDonald's uh, decisions 2008 and 2010 coming about that we've even been able to change the whole dynamic. And, of course, the anti-gun courts and states are resistant. You know, they're, they only will, will do a kicking and screaming, it seems, to uh, 
get the change that's needed. But nonetheless, the pressure's on and the fight is in and we're making progress. So of course, the exciting development, as I'm sure you're aware, we've talked about it, is the uh, Corlett case, the New York case, which the Supreme Court has granted certiorari and they're going to render a decision uh, probably by June. I think their oral arguments are set for uh, after September area there, I think. And so we're going to see September, November, I believe. But anyway, it's all in play. There's going to be a decision, and we're very optimistic here with the New York case. But following up on that case, there's other cases that are in the pipeline. There are cases that are going to be impacted. And as the Supreme Court is taking more and more of the Second Amendment cases to further expand and and explore and to give us case law that we can utilize, I'm very honored, as well as uh, the other members of my firm, to be trying to be a part of that with the cases that we've put before them. And we've put a case together here that is very exciting, and it's a request to the court. It's a petition for writ of certiorari, and that's what you do when you ask the Supreme Court to review the issue. And the name of this uh, case is uh, PZ, two initials for keeping the individual's name out of it. But in the PZ case, we've raised some great questions of law. And if the court grants certiorari on this in any way, it can hopefully take down New Jersey's gun control scheme, at least greatly impact it, and get rid of the horribly unfair practices that have been put into this. And it will stand as a case to uh, warn and and or be used against other states that have put such horrible uh, licensing laws in place designed to discourage. We're talking about the making getting the license as uh, difficult as possible with standards that are vague and arbitrary and saddling individuals having to make this showing and taking all kinds of abuse just to get a license and or to exercise their Second Amendment rights. So the questions that we're presenting here, number one, is what is the scrutiny level afforded the Second Amendment right to possess firearms in the home? Now, that scrutiny level is very important. The court has never specifically identified it. Hopefully, uh, we'll get that, and if they were to go with what is called strict scrutiny, the laws that states have passed will much easier fall as unconstitutional under that standard. But whatever the standard is, we really want it to be laid out so that these challenges can take place. The big question here is, does a state's denial of a person's Second Amendment rights, quote, in the interest of public health, safety, or welfare, constitute an unconstitutionally overbroad or vague standard or an unlawful balancing test to an offense of the Heller decision 
or a wrongful denial of due process notice. See, in New Jersey, the requirement in order just to get a permit to possess and purchase a rifle or shotgun and or permit to purchase a handgun is a criteria of a denial that says in the interest of public health, safety, or welfare. And it's so broad. It's so vague that we see a ton of abuse on that. And how can a constitutional right be at the mercy of such a ridiculously vague and arbitrary standard? It is is just too vague and overbroad, and it is unconstitutional, and we need the court to say that. Other question presented, may the government deny a person's Second Amendment rights in perpetuity merely because a firearm was seized, quote, for safekeeping and not returned? Now, what is that? Well, New Jersey had passed this other law that creates a disqualifier that a lot of people aren't even aware of that says anybody that's had firearms seized pursuant to domestic violence and has not had them returned, is a prohibited person, both criminally and to get a license. And the significance of that is really great because the many individuals uh, end up uh, having guns seized pursuant to domestic violence, and they weren't even the person who uh, was the original suspect of committing domestic violence. We're talking about somebody living, you know, a son in the household and they, and, and, and the son's girlfriend claims domestic violence against the son, but they come to the house and they take all the guns, including the father's. Well, now the father, who had nothing to do with any of this, his guns have been seized and not returned. And this is a bar for that father. Third party, innocent third party. No less the the person for which the domestic violence original, you know, complaint. And then after the domestic violence complaint is made and the person wins at the final restraining where the, where the judge finds no cause and says, you know, no uh, restraining order should issue, well, the state's still holding their guns. And even though the TRO has been dismissed, there's no automatic return. Now you have to go through a weapons forfeiture proceeding in Jersey, you see. And so you get served with this weapons forfeiture, and you're like trying to earn a living, go to work, and you're thinking, well, what's the value of these guns? And the prosecutor's investigator is going to be such a nice guy to call you up and say, hey, look, we'll let you sell the guns to a dealer. You can get the money. You don't even have to come to court, and we'll do this order for you. Aren't we nice guys? And you're like, yeah, that sounds good. And as soon as you agree to that, those guns now get sold to a dealer. They're, they've been... They have not been returned to you. They're seized and not returned. You just made yourself a prohibited person, the equivalent of a convicted felon in New Jersey because you agreed to that. They suckered you. And they don't have to tell you about the ramifications. You don't know the ramifications? Too bad. As a matter of fact, they don't want you to know the ramifications because it's not even on the licensing application as a question. And why? Because if people actually knew that, no one would agree to have their guns sold. Everybody would fight it, and guess what? The docket would be out to the year 3,000. 
But nonetheless, we're bringing it up to the U.S. Supreme Court that that as a bar should not even exist, that guns were seized and not returned. That is just outrageous and a denial of due process on top of it. And finally, is a warrant that's issued to search and seize firearms from a home for, quote, safekeeping, is that valid probable cause under the Fourth Amendment? And with the recent Coniglia case, we believe it is not. And yet this is how New Jersey operates. They seize without a search warrant, and sometimes they actually uh, have this warrant that's baked into the cake that's so lame. And I think we have serious Fourth Amendment issues going on here. And uh, we are inviting the court to look at that. So this is exciting because we're now had the opportunity because we worked our way up through the chain for the U.S. Supreme Court to opine on any of these great issues, and any one of which can take down New Jersey's uh, gun control scheme and a lot of it or parts of it or anything we can get because... We lost our rights incrementally. We have to gain them back incrementally. And this is a path to doing that. And the court has actually become one of the most promising paths we have because the legislature uh, has just been, uh, you know, hijacked essentially. And trying to get the changes that way is very difficult. But the courts, thanks to particularly President Trump for getting three new judges on there that respect the Second Amendment, have really given us great odds in seeing the effect that we're looking for. And, you know, we put forward the reasons for the petition, and I think some of the reasons you'll find is very interesting here because... You see, New Jersey's restriction upon firearm acquisition in, and, and in the interest of public health, safety, welfare, we're putting forward is absolutely unreasonable and unconstitutional based on Heller. And yet the court has ignored the application of Heller to New Jersey's, uh, to New Jersey. And that's where you get the vagueness and the overbreath, et cetera. And so we see it again expressed here in the gun seizure disqualifier, which shouldn't even be on the books. And finally, uh, with the uh, challenge to the searching and seizing of guns itself as take place in New Jersey. And because this is to the U.S. Supreme Court, the ramifications nationally exist should they choose uh, to grant cert and issue an opinion on this. So these are exciting times. If you're interested in reading further about this case, it's the PZ case, and you can go to the Supreme Court uh, website and you can read submissions on that. Meanwhile, beware of the threats that exist. Every day I get calls from individuals that, law-abiding folks where they're looking to turn them into criminals. I love my law-abiding criminals, 
I really do. But I wish our system didn't create that. And uh, we got to constantly be vigilant. And this knowledge is the key. So this is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.